Hello and welcome to Food Systems, a podcast from the Forum for the Future of Agriculture, where we discuss ideas that can shape a sustainable food system, from farm to fork, from policy to consumers, and everything in between. I'm your host, Robert de Graff, and you can find us on Twitter at Forum for Ag. These episodes will be available every other week on all major podcast platforms. Before we get started, we would like to say a quick thank you to the FFA founding partners, the European Landowners Organization and Syngenta, as well as the FFA strategic partners, Cargill, the Nature Conservancy, Thought for Food and the World Wildlife Fund. Please enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome back to Food Systems. We're in the run-up now to the UN Food Systems Summit and today I'm very pleased to be joined by Émile Frisson. He is one of the panel members of the Panel of Experts on Sustainable Food Systems, IPES Food, and he is also the Food Systems Summit co-leader on the Solution Cluster on Agroecology and Regenerative Agriculture. Émile, thank you so much for joining Food Systems today. You're welcome. As you understand it, what is the goal of the UN Food System Summit and what do you hope that it will achieve? Well, I think there was a realization that our food systems uh, are broken or are not functioning the way they should and that it's uh, urgent to address this issue, uh, both from a, a food security and nutrition point of view, from a climate, uh, both mitigation and adaptation point of view, from an environmental uh, point of view, as well as biodiversity conservation. And therefore, I think people realize that uh, we must try to fix this. What I try or what I hope to get out of it, um, it's still difficult to say. Uh, I think the organization of the summit has been somewhat uh, atypical and... Uh, maybe not not really uh, organized in a in a very planned way, and therefore it's still very difficult to see what will come out of it. What I would personally hope would come out of it is a, a clear realization that we need a radical change in our food systems, that we need to change the paradigm in which we are functioning from essentially a productivist approach towards a sustainable food systems approach that takes a systems approach and that uh, cares about sustainability as a, a, an extremely important objective and that uh, there is a resolution to do something about it and not just have a declaration. Um, so that's what I would hope uh, would come out of it. Whether that will materialize or not, is another question. So in 2017, you co-authored an article in The Guardian as well as a larger report that already stated that the world must move away from what you termed industrial farming towards a more diversified agroecological set of practices. We have now four years later. Is agriculture different now since that report you've done or are we still in the same systems that we word then okay well that uh, that article in the guardian was based on a report that ips food published in 2016 and of which i was the lead author uh, advocating for a, a paradigm shift away from industrial agriculture towards diversified agroecological systems 
And I think uh, a lot of things have changed since 2016 and, or 2017. There is now an increasing number of uh, applications uh, of these diversified agroecological systems in different parts of the world, in, in different continents, uh, several really at scale. So it's no longer that there is some anecdotal uh, evidence. Uh, there is so solid evidence now that has been uh, accumulated over the over the years. In addition, there is really the realization by a, a number of major reports, such as I, the recent IPCC reports uh, on climate, the IPBS reports on biodiversity, uh, the high-level panel of experts on uh, food security and nutrition, and all of them recognize that there is a need for a paradigm shift um, that incremental uh, improvements of our current industrial system are not going to be sufficient to address the problems. And uh, that is now reflected on the ground, not as much, uh, by far not, as I would have liked to see, because there are quite a number of obstacles that make it difficult. Uh, but uh, that's, that's another question. But I think things have really moved, not as fast as I would have liked. Well, let's talk a bit about the speed of change, because I think this is a really interesting aspect. Uh, certainly, if we compare it to climate change, some of the major signs that the Earth was heating was already published in the 1980s. We've had a series of updated IPCC reports afterwards. But the, the speed of change has certainly not been what you or I would have wished. I mean, we are still on track for massive uh, global heating. Uh, what sort of timeline should we now re really be looking at if we want to transform our agricultural systems? Are we talking decades, years? Definitely not decades. I think there is a pretty well uh, or broad recognition now that uh, we have something like 10 harvests left. Uh, and if we don't get our system uh, really fixed, uh, we will be in deep trouble, uh, not, not only uh, because of the negative impact on the environment, etc., but just to feed the world. And therefore, we really uh, have to move quickly. And I, well, I'm a born optimist, so uh, I, I think that uh, we will be moving faster than on the climate. Indeed, it's taken, what, 40 or so years or 50 years almost uh, since the first alarm bells went out for, for climate, uh, it cannot wait that long for food system transformation. And I think people realize that. And I think the fact that we are now seeing uh, countries really making major decisions. Uh, uh, just two weeks ago, uh, the president of Sri Lanka has announced that they have decided to convert Sri Lankan agriculture to agroecology and to ban imports of pesticides and synthetic fertilizers to uh, make sure that this happens quickly. So I think that's a major shift. The, uh, the state of Sikkim in India is already 100% organic. Uh, in Andhra Pradesh, uh, we have 700,000 farmers that have converted to agroecology. And the ambition is that by 2026, 100% uh, of the Andhra Pradesh farmers be on uh, agroecology, what they call natural farming in, in Andhra Pradesh. So I think uh, things are moving faster, but still that is by far not sufficient. There is still a lot of resistance and uh, we must continue to... Uh, 
convey the message that there's no time to be lost. So let's go back a little bit to the UN Food System Summit then, which is really meant to catalyze a lot of these developments. I was looking into specifically into uh, track three on nature positive production. I found it to be very broad. Um, the, the design elements include diversity, co-creation, synergy, efficiency, recycling, resilience, social values, food tradition, governance, and circular economy. Now, while all these are very important, and I wouldn't wish to denigrate any of them, but I did get the feeling that this is an extraordinary broad set. Is it, is it not too broad to create a movement for real practical change? Absolutely not. I mean, that's the real point. And, and uh, I, I wish that those uh, elements was, were taken more seriously in the Food System Summit. Uh, by the way, uh, the, these elements that you have cited are the 10 elements of agroecology that were adopted by FAO uh, a few years ago. Uh, although the, the Food System Summit document doesn't acknowledge that. They just uh, quote the the text without uh, uh, referring to to the origin of the of the text, and and this was I think one of the major mistakes that was made in the food system summit setup. Uh, they start the, it, it's a food system summit, i.e. we have to take a systemic approach. And one of the reasons why we are in the deep trouble we are in now is because. Things have been handled in silos in the past. Agriculture wanted to maximize productivity. The environment wanted to protect the environment. Health wanted to fix the health problems once they are created, and so on and so on. And what we need is really a, uh, a systemic approach that looks at all those things at the same time in an integrated way in order to, uh, continue to avoid these contradictions in policies where uh, policies set by the Ministry of Agriculture are in complete contradiction to what uh, environment would want to see or health would want to see, etc. So I think uh, the, the, what should really happen is this systemic approach. And I think the 10 elements are describing the various areas that have to be part of the thinking. And that's what we are in, in the solution cluster on agroecology and uh, regenerative agriculture. That's what we are advocating for, that uh, we look at transforming food systems based on these 10 elements. And actually, we are using the 13 principles that were in the uh, high-level panel of experts report of 2019 uh, on agroecology, uh, agroecological and, and other uh, innovative approaches, where uh, the 10 elements have been translated into more operational principles, because the 10 elements are a bit too, too vague and, and can also be interpreted in, in different ways. So the 13 principles cover the same ground than the 10 elements, uh, but are more specific and, and are uh, more intended to be guiding principles for food system transformation. And that's essentially what the solution cluster on agroecology and regenerative agriculture is advocating uh, to the food system summit as a whole. So uh, the, the problem uh, with the food systems uh, summit so far has been they started by dividing it in five action tracks. One on nutrition, one on the environment, one on production, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I think that was already a mistake. And then within that, in action track three, it's divided into protect, 
manage and uh, restore the three uh, action areas. And then within that, they've clustered a number of solutions. There were 2,200 proposed game-changing solutions. I mean, honestly, what can you do with 2,200 recommendations? Nothing. So even clustering them, and, and in, as I said, the solution cluster on agroecology and regenerative agriculture is the one that received the largest number of propositions, which is really showing the, the great interest for that. Um, but, but even that, um, it, it was too nitty-gritty. And so what we uh, decided in the uh, managing this solution cluster was to really advocate for the application of the 13 principles to food system transformation for the summit as a whole. So we don't want to be just one solution cluster among the 54, as there are now 54 solution clusters on the table for the moment. Uh, some are dealing with things as specific as um, insects for animal feed, for example. Oh, okay, that's a very specific thing. Uh, it's, it's a useful thing to think about. But what we are talking about is really transforming the food system in a, in a holistic way and using the 13 principles to guide that. So maybe this is an interesting point uh, for, for our listeners and also personally f for me. I, I've seen a number of different descriptions and, and definitions of agroecology and certainly for regenerative agriculture. I was wondering if maybe you could give the definition that works for you on both those terms, just so I think for our listeners it's clear what these actually uh, mean. I think well, it's a very important question because there is a lot of uh, use and abuse of both uh, these terms. And so it is indeed essential to know what we are talking about. And actually, um, in 2020, IFOM, Interna IFOM Organics International, uh, IPES Food, Agroecology Europe, Regeneration International, and Feeble Europe, which is an uh, organic research organization, uh, joined forces to, uh, in the organization of a series of three workshops where we invited people involved in organic agriculture, in uh, agroecology, in regenerative agriculture from different parts of the world and see what is it that we uh, think we have in common, what can we all stand for. And um, out of the, these three workshops, uh, we decided that the 13 principles that I just referred to uh, 13 principles of agroecology that are described in the HLPE report, uh, that that is what we all stand behind and that anything uh, less than that is greenwashing. So if you're saying, well, I, I just do uh, conservation agriculture or no-till no agriculture and, and use glyphosate to get rid of the, of, of the weeds, that's not agroecology, although some people are using or regenerative. It's not regenerative agriculture although some people are using the term regenerative agriculture for that. So uh, at, uh, after these three workshops, we wanted to um, see whether there was a broader buy-in, and we had a webinar in uh, November 2020 with more than 700 participants from different parts of the world, and where the, this proposal was really strongly supported. And uh, we decided to issue a call uh, for food system transformation 
based on these 13 principles and stating very clearly, this is what organic agriculture, agroecology, regenerative, and for each case, the true organic and true regenerative are standing for. And uh, we uh, want this to be guiding the food system transformation and we warn against attempts to greenwash and dilute uh, or do sherry picking among these principles, uh, which, which should uh, certainly not be uh, acceptable. And, and that call has now been signed by more than 160 organizations worldwide and more than 460 individuals. And it's still uh, it's still running. Okay, so let's let's see if we can make this a bit more concrete for our listeners who are mainly in Europe. So I apologize, but I will speak about Europe in this case. Can you pe- sort of paint a picture for our listeners in brief? What does an agroecological, socially and financially sustainable, and let's say arable, uh, let's leave li- livestock out of it for now, but let's say an arable farm, what does it look well, like? Well, I think in you already make a mistake by saying let's leave the animals out because r- uh, really uh, sustainable systems in, in, uh, have to be diversified and have to include animals as well. And, and one of the big problems we have today is because there's been a dissociation between uh, crop production and livestock production, where we have these uh, industrial livestock uh, systems that are uh, catastrophic from an environmental impact point of view, from a health impact point of view, and etc. And we have systems that are not being sustainable for the crop production because they are also lacking uh, recycling of organic matter, etc. And so, one concrete example maybe is. Well, let's take a, I have a friend in, in Austria. His, his name is Alfred Grand, and he has the Grand Farm, uh, in one word. Uh, you can look it up on, on the website. Uh, it's in, in uh, Austria. Uh, this is a, it's not a small uh, thing. It's, it's more than 100 hectares of arable land, but he also is growing vegetables in a, a kind of a, a vegetable garden. And he has not been using uh, uh, inorganic fertilizers or pesticides for quite a number of years now. Uh, He's making more money now than he used to before he converted to uh, this form of of agroecology, organic uh, farming. And uh, he's been able to employ people uh, with decent salaries, etc. So I think there are Concrete, and this is just one. Uh, it happens uh, that I'm, I'm, I've been working with with Alfred now in the last couple of years, uh, but there are other initiatives like that at all scales. And often um, you hear that agroecology, yeah, that's fine on on a small scale, um, uh, but it's it's not replicable or it's not scalable. I think that's uh, just nonsense. Uh, there is now enough evidence that it is both scalable and replicable. The thing is that it's not a silver bullet approach. It's, uh, and that's why we are not using a, a set of, of recipes, but it's guided by these principles that are locally adapted. I mean, the, what you do on the ground has to be locally adapted based also on the knowledge of farmers and the people in the in the local food system, and and you marry that with the best of, of science. 
in order to really address uh, the, the local problems and, and bring local solutions to local problems. What is in common is the 13 principles. What is applied on the ground is location specific. So one of the things that we talk a lot on this podcast with a number of previous guests as well is where should the funding come from to, to pay for the transition to an agroecological, much more sustainable food system? Uh, who, who will pay and, and where? Is well, the, a good from? starting point is the 720 billion uh, euro that is going into subsidies uh, around the world every year. Uh, if that was reallocated towards an agroecological transformation, I think uh, that would actually achieve the kind of transformation we need. So uh, that is certainly the, uh, the first and most important starting point. In addition, on fisheries, there's another 35 billion uh, of subsidies for that, of which it is estimated between uh, 18 and 20 billion is actually known to be damaging to oceans. So uh, I think we really have to uh, make that uh, transformation in these uh, um, subsidy systems and just removing policies that are uh, preventing the, tran the transition and the transformation. Uh, sometimes it doesn't really uh, necessarily have to cost more, but it's just a matter of creating a, a policy environment that is encouraging this form of agriculture rather than a destructive form of agriculture. Uh, well, let me ask you now the, the, the last question of this uh, interview, which is the same we ask of everybody, which is if, if you could give one single concrete policy or a practical idea to create a more sustainable food system, what would it be? Well, first of all, it, it would be to replace uh, the current uh, sectoral policies by a food system policy. Uh, now we have an agricultural policy that contradicts the environmental uh, objectives and, and the health objectives, etc. Uh, if we have a, a, a food system uh, policy that integrates all these dimensions, we would uh, be really able to avoid uh, the, the trade-offs and create synergies between the different policies. And IPES Food issued a report two years ago uh, towards a European food policy that has actually been uh, having a, an influence in the creation of the farm-to-fork strategy, which has uh, taken quite a bit of its inspiration from this IPES food report, advocating for uh, a, basically a replacement or an evolution of an agricultural uh, policy, common policy by a European food policy that would bring together the various sectors uh, and it was advocated that this should be guided by a vice president at the commission level so that it's not linked to any of the um, uh, uh, directorates general that are sectorally uh, divided. I think that certainly uh, is one thing that would have the greatest impact and is already being implemented at local level. Uh, not yet at national level, but many cities uh, or regions have started to look at um, integrated food policies with success. Uh, Emile Frisson, panel member of IPES Food and Food System Summit, co-lead on the Solution Cluster for Agroecology and Regenerative Agriculture. Thank you so much for joining Food Systems today. It was a pleasure. 
You've been listening to an episode of Food Systems, a podcast brought to you by the Forum for the Future of Agriculture. Look for us in two weeks when we release our new episode. And in the meantime, please don't forget to subscribe on your podcast app as well as on Twitter, at Forum Frag, for updates on this podcast, news, as well as FFA events. Please check out our website, www.forumforagriculture.com, for more great content. Thank you for listening and enjoy your day. Music.